Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. Hey, are you ready for some football? Some fantasy football? How about some daily fantasy football? Silly questions, right? Of course you are. You're ready to talk some smack and win some cash every Sunday, at Thursday, at Monday, whenever there's football games. The Sports History Network invites you to play your daily fantasy football this season at thrivefantasy.com. Thrive Fantasy offers hundreds of thousands, millions in cash every day on NBA, MLB, PGA Golf, cricket, esports, and of course, NFL football. Every week during the 2021 NFL season, Thrive Fantasy has pool play contests and heads-up matches with prizes of all sizes, and even free play contests for real money. Sign up with Thrive Fantasy today to get a 100% match bonus on your first deposit for up to $100 in free daily fantasy football play. Visit sportshistorynetwork.com slash thrive, that's T-H-R-I-V-E, or enter promo code SHN when depositing at the cashier. Join Thrive Fantasy today, earn cash prizes, and support great shows like this at the Sports History Network. Now that's a win-win-win situation for you to kick off your own NFL season. for Lombardi Memories, a show that takes you back in time into January and February to the greatest one-day spectacle in all sports. This is the Every Other Tuesday podcast that looks back at each and every one of the 50-plus Super Bowls and tells the story of who won and why. For the fan who needs more than just a box score, this podcast goes drive-by-drive play-by-play through the most dramatic games in history. I'm your host, Tommy A. Phillips, and you can visit my website at TommyAPhillips.com, where you can find all of my books. Those include Great 80s, a book that covers this Super Bowl and the next two of them as well. Today we have Super Bowl XXII, which was held on January 31st, 1988, between the third-time AFC champion Denver Broncos and the fourth-time NFC champion Washington Redskins at Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego, California, the second straight Super Bowl in Southern California. If you're looking for the full story of this 1987 season, Pick up my Great 80s book and you'll learn more than you ever wanted to know about that year and the rest of the 80s. As always, we have a pop quiz 
and then homework at the end of the episode. The pop quiz question for today is, what individual record set in this Super Bowl still stands today? The answer will come at the end. 1987 was the year of the scab. The NFL Players Association went on strike after the second week of the season, and the NFL, instead of canceling a bunch of games, as in 1982, they decided to go along with replacement players after canceling games for one week. The result? Absolute nobodies playing in real NFL games that counted in league statistics. Some some of the players who were on strike, they chose to cross the picket line. That meant that you had replacement players going up against actual NFL stars. The defending Super Bowl champion New York Giants went 0-3 in the replacement games and finished in last in the NFC East division as a result. Meanwhile, the Washington Redskins went 3-0 in the replacement games, and they didn't have a single player cross the picket line. The replacement Redskins' performance helped their team finish 11-4 and win the NFC East title. The Redskins were on the road for their first playoff game against Chicago. They beat the Bears 21-17, but instead of going to San Francisco for the NFC Championship game, they were coming back home. Why? Because 8-7 Minnesota pulled off one of the greatest upsets in playoff history by beating the 13-2 49ers 36-24. Washington became the first team in the double wildcard era to go on the road for the divisional round and come back home for the conference championship. After surviving a late Vikings drive in the NFC championship game that could have sent the game to overtime, the Skins won 17-10 and advanced to their third Super Bowl in six seasons. The Skins had a real quarterback controversy. Jay Schrader, who had a fantastic year in 1986, started most of the games and threw for 1,878 yards and 12 touchdowns, but also 10 interceptions. Late in the season, Redskins head coach Joe Gibbs bent Schrader and inserted Doug Williams. Williams threw for 1,156 yards and 11 touchdowns while completing over 56% of his passes and only throwing five interceptions. Williams was a history maker. He became the first black quarterback to play in a Super Bowl when Washington knocked off Minnesota to go to Super Bowl 22. Running back George Rogers led the team with 613 rushing yards and six touchdowns but he was nursing an injury going into the Super Bowl. Receiver Gary Clark led the team with 56 catches for 1,066 yards and 7 touchdowns. Ricky Sanders was a, a bit of a forgotten man, having only the fourth most catches on the team and just three touchdown grabs. But everything would be turned on its head in San Diego. As for Denver, 
It was much of the same as in 1986. The Broncos were the number one seed in a very watered-down AFC. They finished 10-4-1, which was good enough for the number one seed in the conference. Only Cleveland really posed any threat to them. The Bronx crushed the Oilers 34-10 in the divisional round, then took a big lead in the AFC Championship game over the Browns. But the Browns battled back, cutting the deficit to 7 points. With time running out, Browns running back Ernest Biner fumbled, and the Broncos recovered. The Bronx won it 38-33 and advanced to their second straight Super Bowl and third all-time. Quarterback John Elway was named NFL MVP in 1987, though you could make a case that he didn't deserve it. Jerry Rice had monster numbers while only playing 12 games. Elway threw for just under 3,200 yards and 19 touchdowns for a passer rating of 83.4. I know those sound, stats sound pedestrian, but keep in mind that Elway and Dan Marino and Joe Montana were just beginning to revolutionize the quarterback position. With running back Sammy Winder running, rushing for 741 yards and six touchdowns, and receiver Vance Johnson catching 42 passes for 684 yards and seven touchdowns, the Bronx had quite a stable of offensive playmakers. To begin the game, legendary Green Bay Packers receiver Don Hudson got the honor of tossing the coin. It came up heads, and the Redskins won the toss. They got the ball to start the game, but they wouldn't hold it very long. Running back Timmy Smith, a surprise starter over George Rogers, took the first two carries of the game for small gains. Clark then dropped the pass from Williams that would have given the Skins a first down. They punted it away, and on the very first play for the Broncos, Elway wasted no time in launching a bomb all the way down to receiver Ricky Natil for a 56-yard touchdown, 7-0 Broncos. It was the fastest Super Bowl, or fastest touchdown in Super Bowl history at the time. Sanders slipped down on the kickoff return, which became a trend. Players were slipping and sliding all through the first half. Williams completed a pass to Smith, and Smith then ran for a first down on his next carry. But the Redskins were soon forced to punt, and Steve Cox punted it down to the 33. On came Elway. On his second pass of the drive, he hit receiver Mark Jackson for a 32-yard gain over the middle. Next came a trick play. Running back Steve Sewell went back to throw, and he passed the Elway for a 24-yard gain. Elway's catch was the first reception by a quarterback in a Super Bowl. Unlike the famous one that happened 30 years later in Super Bowl 52, though, this one would not be remembered as well because Elway got stopped sort of the first down on a third down draw play 
on which defensive tackle Dave Butts made the stop. The Broncos settled for a 24-yard Ritz Carlos field goal to go up 10-0. The game almost got completely out of hand for, for Washington when Sanders fumbled the ensuing kickoff. After a scrum of rugby proportions, the officials gave the ball to Washington. Perhaps head coach Joe Gibbs wouldn't have put Sanders back in there for any kickoff returns anymore, but he didn't have to make that decision. The Broncos wouldn't kick off again in this game. Williams found receiver Art Monk for a 40-yard game, but the drive stalled after Sanders got hit for a loss on a reverse. A couple of incompletions later, Cox punted it down to the 28. Broncos running back Gene Lang burst for a couple of first downs, getting into Washington territory. Elway then subbed the ball to Sewell, who got a first down at the 30. The Broncos would have added to their advantage if not for a big mistake by Elway. He dropped back 18 yards behind the line of scrimmage, trying to avoid a sack. <clears throat> and he ended up getting sacked back there by defensive back Alvin Walton. The Broncos ended up having the punt. Smith broke off a 26-yard run for the Skins, but it got called back on a holding penalty. Later in the possession, Williams got sacked back at his own 24 and hyperextended his knee. He was in excruciating pain, but the officials didn't pay attention to the fact that he had fumbled the ball and Denver had recovered it. Williams came off the field for the remainder of the series, but the Redskins often sort of come completely off as well, since this was a fumble clearly recovered by Denver. Jay Schrader came in for a couple plays, and then the Skins ended up punting it down to the Denver 43. After a roughing the pen passer penalty, the Broncos got a first down and the quarter changed. That would be nothing but bad news for Denver. The Bronx punted, and Mike Horan's kick went into the end zone for a touchback. It took Washington just one play the strike. Williams came back into the game from the injury and threw a bomb to Sanders, his first throw after getting injured, and it went in, and it went all the way, 80 yards for a Super Bowl record long 80-yard touchdown pass, tying the record set by Jim Plunkett to Kenny King in Super Bowl 15. Touchdown, Washington Redskins. That made it 10-7. The Broncos went three and out, and a suddenly churning Washington offense got going again. Williams threw to tight end Don Warren over the middle for nine yards, then Smith pounded up the middle for 19 more. Running back Kelvin Bryant ran for six yards, then Williams went to the end zone. He found a diving Gary Clark in the left side of the end zone. Touchdown, Washington Redskins! Washington now led for the first time, 14-10. Elway moved the Broncos back down the field, throwing a subtle pass to Winder for a first down at the 47. He then scrambled for a first down on a third down play, getting it to the 26. 
The Broncos ended up settling for a field goal try, though, and Carlos missed the 43-yard attempt wide to the left. And it took Washington nearly no time to strike back. Williams first hit Clark for 16 yards, then Smith burst down the right sideline and no one was able to catch him. Touchdown, Washington Redskins. His 58-yard scoring run made it 21-10. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Denver went three and out once again. Washington took over at their own 40. Williams nearly had a pass intercepted by defensive back Mark Haynes. It fell incomplete, and Williams took advantage of his second chance by hitting Sanders on him over the middle for a first down at midfield. Next, Williams threw a bomb to Sanders down the right sideline. Touchdown, Washington Redskins. It was now 28-10, and the ABC crew of Al Michaels, Frank Gifford, and Dan Deardorff began the brace for what was going to be a meaningless second half. But not only was this game a rout, it just become more of a rout. Elway was intercepted by defensive back Gary Wilburn. After the two-minute warning, Smith blasted for another big game down the sideline all the way to the Denver 35. Sanders caught two passes, and he moved to 177 receiving yards for the first half, more than any other player had caught in a single Super Bowl game. He did it just in the first half. Two plays later, Williams threw to the left corner of the end zone, where tight end Clint Didier hauled in the pass. Touchdown, Washington Redskins. The Skins got an interception from defensive back Brian Davis late in the half, and they went to the locker room, leading 35-10, leading to the Super Bowl halftime show with the Rockets and 88 grand pianos out on the Jack Murphy Stadium field. The entire second half was garbage time. Neither team put much effort into their play in the second half. The Redskins were too busy celebrating, and the Broncos were simply trying to get this embarrassment over with. As a result, the third and fourth quarter play was hard to watch. I'll spare you the details and get to the highlights. Elway threw another interception to Wilburn, which set up a 46-yard field goal attempt for Redskins kicker Ali Haji Sheik. But he missed it off the right upright, and Washington's lead remained at 25. Williams himself then threw an interception while trying to go to the end zone. Defensive back Jeremiah Castile picked him off. Elway then threw a fourth interception, but this one didn't count since he was hit late and the skins were called for roughing the passer. The third quarter ended with no one adding any points. But early in the fourth quarter, Smith took over the game. He ran for a big gain down to the 10, then scored two plays later from three yards out. Touchdown, Washington Redskins. Smith went over 200 rushing yards for the game, and the skins won 42-10. to 10. 
It was their second Super Bowl win, putting them at 2-2 two and two in Super Bowls. As for Denver, they dropped to 0-3 in the big game. There's no doubt who deserved MVP of this game. Doug Williams' amazing performance won him the award. He threw a record-tying four touchdown passes, a record-breaking yardage total of 340, and a passer rating of 127.9. You could make an argument for Timmy Smith, who rushed for a Super Bowl record 204 yards and two touchdowns, but keep in mind that a lot of that came in garbage time. Smith's 204 rush, rushing yards remain the most by a running back in a Super Bowl, which is our pop quiz answer. Yes, Timmy Smith, a player who ended up flaming out and having legal problems, um, he ended up with the record that still stands in the Super Bowl for most rushing yards, the only guy to go over 200 yards. He's also my pick for the best player you've never heard of in this Super Bowl because he dropped off the face of the earth after this uh, performance. You could also argue that Ricky Sanders deserved to be considered the second best player of the game, but I give that award to Smith, and obviously Doug Williams was number one. Elway was the most valuable player on the losing team, despite the fact that he threw three picks and almost a fourth. It was his brilliance that got the Broncos up 10-0 in the blink of an eye. If he had only gotten some help from his defense, maybe he could have kept it close. But Elway just didn't have the support necessary to keep his team in the game. The least valuable player would be Sammy Winder. As a top running back for the Broncos, he needed to contribute much more than he did. Instead, he ran for only 30 yards and cut, caught only one pass for 26 yards on three targets. That's not going to get the job done. Winder wasn't the only Bronco who struggled on this day, but he was one of those who failed expectations badly. The biggest game of this, biggest play of this game was the fumble recovery by Washington of Sanders' lost ball on the third Denver kickoff. If Denver recovers that ball, they're in great position to go up 17-0. But the Skins somehow came out of there with the ball, and as a result, they were able to weather the Broncos' storm long enough until their offense exploded in the second quarter. The biggest play no one remembers is Williams' fumble on the play in which he got hurt. That ball should have belonged to Denver. If it is called correctly, maybe the Broncos do go down and make it 17-0 after all and change the entire complexion of the game. That's one of those plays a replay should have been able to fix. An instant replay was still an infancy at the time. And, and another note is that the Redskins came back from down 10 points to win this Super Bowl. That remained the all-time record. It was tied a couple times, but it remained the most points anyone had come back from to win a Super Bowl 
until Super Bowl 51 when we all know 28-3. We know what happened there. My homework for you is to read the incredible autobiography of Doug Williams with the help of Bruce Hunter. It's called Quarterback, Shattering the NFL Myth. Williams takes on the issues, prejudices, and labels that came with him playing quarterback in a league where, at the time, most quarterbacks were white. Doug Williams is one of my favorite football heroes, one of my favorite players, of, of definitely of non-Packers players, since I'm a Packers fan, but definitely one of my heroes. He being the top ten of guys I like to meet. <laughs> I hope I do get to meet him someday. Uh, Williams paved the way for future successful black quarterbacks like Super Bowl 39 runner-up Donovan McNabb, Super Bowl 48 champion Russell Wilson, Super Bowl 54 champion Patrick Mahomes, just to name a few. And we are now finished with Super Bowl 22. So next time we will go to a brand new stadium in Miami, which would host every Super Bowl that Miami would have from now on. The orange, old Orange Bowl was too old, so now Joe Robbie Stadium would be the new place to hold Super Bowls. And supposedly, every seat in the stadium is supposed to give you a perfect view of the game. So there's no bad seats anywhere. Uh, but as we learn from Seinfeld, uh, sitting next to Newman isn't an uh, ideal seat. Um, <laughs> boy, Seinfeld re reference that. That ages me, doesn't it? Anyway, next week we're going to see a massive, or two weeks from now, we're going to see a massive we've seen before, Cincinnati versus San Francisco. Who will come out on top in a tense, low-scoring battle? You know the answer already, of course. But if you want to know the whole story of that season, you ought to pick up my book, Great 80s, A Journey Through Another Amazing Decade in Pro Football History, at my website, TommyAPhillips.com. Until next time, so long. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? 
Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast. <laughs>